Our rendezvous is recorded before a live drinking audience. What's down at our rendezvous with a view today? And it's not our rendezvous because we ventured out of Lucadia in the Regal Seagull and we've come down to Point Lomo. We're on the water at the beautiful Epic Waterfront Tasting Room uh, for Epic Brewery. And we're here, uh, Shell. This is gorgeous. I mean, yes. you love it down here. I do like it here. <laughs> it's, yes. um, it feels like you're a tourist when you come down here, but you're not. It, but this is like where you'd want to bring people from out of town absolutely to show them san diego there's boats right out in front of us and it's just beautiful blue skies and the smell of the water and the seafood coming from point loma seafoods next door makes you feel like well makes me feel hungry i know you're not quite the same way that i am but <laughs> anyway um we're here with our friend abby who's uh, who's been on the podcast before but since the last time she's been here she's had a change of employer change and of scenery yes change <laughs> of scenery yes. so um abby's now with epic brewery what's your official title abby uh, i'm the sales manager here at Sa- epic sales manager Excellent. Yes, um, yes so what's the first of all what's the story of epic brewery just because i really don't there's a know. lot of history yeah. yes there. yes we are we have a pretty cool story um so epic is a family name the brewery was originally founded in 1866. Oh, i thought it was a lot newer uh so so <laughs> we say reinvented in 2016. um so stephanie epic's great great grandfather founded an all lager pre-prohibition lager brewery in brooklyn Prohibition came in. They ended up closing. Uh, Growing up, her great-grandfather, when she was little, used to tell her stories and show her old bottles and the old ceramic caps and all the things that used to happen at the brewery and the crazy tales, some true, some not, you know. And she basically, as her career with Toyota was kind of at a crossroads, thought, you know, I want to resurrect the family name. And so she has. So Stephanie and her husband, Todd, and then... The brewing side of things is Clayton LeBlanc and Nate Stevens got together and formed Epic Brewing. Started in 2016. It's such a cool history because they've used a lot of the the logo, right? Yep, yep. The logo is the old. Yep. It's the original logo from the brewery in Brooklyn. Uh, none of you can see this, but it's on my hat. It's an eagle with a barrel. It's just kind of a really cool old school looking logo. Um, definitely not kind of your trendy logo of today kind of pop artish that I think a lot of breweries are going towards but I think it makes us stand out it's really a neat way to tell the story in an image yeah the history is isn't is a fun thing I saw the article there was a recent article in West Coaster about Epig and kind of the history and Stephanie I think was interviewed yes, for it yes um so if you see that or want to look it up it's it's there. Um, so the brewery that they opened first, the t- the tasting room, I don't know what I'm not. They, <laughs> they opened first. So we're in what's called a brewery ignited yes. spot okay, in North thank Park. You. Thank you. Um, so it's it's uh, three breweries in one building. We're all separated. We operate as our own entities. But the way the brewery igniter setup works is... Uh, H.G. Fenton owns it, and they lease you everything. So you basically come in, decorate your tasting room, and start making beer. All of the equipment's there, and your rent price is included, includes all of that equipment. So it really helps you not... 
I mean, to be realistic, to open a brewery, a halfway decent brewery in this day and age, you're looking at a mill right out of the gate. So this is a way to start a brewery without having to be so capital intensive right out of the gate. The premise of it is that you you do well and you grow. And they're, they're called incubator spots for a reason. You are intended to spread your wings and grow out of it. So it's it's been a really uh, interesting, fun, cool experience. It's I've worked for a lot of breweries. I've never been in this kind of model. Um, so definitely, you know, dealing with a brewery that has stairs is not something I've ever dealt with before. And just weird challenges when you're kind of going into a predetermined space. But it's been a lot of fun and it's it's definitely kind of been a good launching point for us. I'm curious about that the brewery igniter concept. Obviously, you know, you're not the expert on that, but you must see what goes on. I, I'd imagine like there's probably a lot of home brewers who like feel like, man, if I could just get my foot in the door, I could make great beer. But there's probably as many success stories. There's probably a lot of the opposite of that as well. I think initially when the idea came out and HG Fenton started announcing these kind of pads, the first one was in Miramar. Ours was the second. The one in like Palomar Airport Road area was the third. Um, I think so initially when they announced Miramar, I think a lot of home brewers were like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do this. Um, and I think that's why with the first few, you saw some failures, frankly, because I think I think people didn't realize that it, it's really expensive and you really have to, you can't go into it halfway. I mean, you have to be 200% into it. You have to, have to operate lean. You have to, to really kind of get a leg up to, to grow yourself out of the scenario. It, it's a tough, it's a tough situation, but opening any businesses, it's just the way you're going to take your lumps. Absolutely. Like the idea is to get out of that. Right. Yes. Which you guys are doing. And how, we are. And how have, how has Epic done that kind of to uh -huh. get over Well, that you're initial, sitting at well, it. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. But before, before this beautiful place existed, and it was simply the beer and the spot and trying to get people to say, hey, I really like this and we want more of it and we should probably grow at this point. What were some of the kind of the initial successes that kind of led to this level? And I know you, you weren't necessarily there for some of yeah. the, the first spots, but obviously that's part of the story of the brewery. Um, I, you know, I've sat down and talked to the owners kind of a lot about that. And, and my takeaway from everything they've told me about how the first year and a half went was none of them slept. They all worked 90 hours a week and special shout out to Clayton. Cause I mean, that guy in the first, <clears throat> excuse me, six months to a year was delivering beer, selling the beer, working in the tasting room, making it. I mean, every single aspect because they knew they had to get it done and they didn't want to spend the money to add people until they had to because the end game was to get out of there and to squirrel away every penny where they could and I think I want to say I, I could be a little off of my timeline about a year in they got word that that this might that the owners of this were interested in epic specifically this this being this the tasting spot, room we're at yeah. here in Point Loma yeah um and so I think that kind of you know, then it was like, well, let's let's hire some people and and really let's make this a thing. And we're, and we're doing this. And it, it became a, a part of the big picture that has now gotten us where we are today. So now you guys are leaving the igniter, right? We are. But you have not left yet. No, you we haven't are. left yet, but you are. And you're but you're opening something new. We are. So uh, it's it's. 
it's 10% sad to be leaving North Park, but it's 90% excitement because we have actually signed a lease uh, on a brand new build in, uh, it's a part of Vista, it's off Business Park Drive. For those North County inland people, you'll know it as right by the secret target. Um, but it's a brand new 16,000 square foot building. We've put in a 30 barrel brew house, a combination of 30 and 60 barrel fermenters. We've built a traditional German beer hall in there. Um, in addition to a full tasting room with patio, uh, the ceilings are, I, I, the sky's kind of the limit now. We've really, you know, is it too big for what we're going to do in the next 12 months? Probably, but is it give us five years of opportunity to grow? Absolutely. So it's a really exciting time for us. We're so that, excited that for that. It's about to explode. Yeah. yeah, that's the plan. And we're excited for that because then Epic will be closer to us. That's so. true too. Yes, much yes. closer. Yeah. So. Um, what's the, the, the vision where we're sitting at to... There's a, not a lot of tasting rooms, obviously, that look like this in San Diego. I think people who go to tasting rooms think, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in an industrial park or I'm going to be off a you know, major road. I'm going to be inland <laughs> you know, somewhere. <laughs> uh, but to come here is kind of a, a bold step because obviously, you know, land, land right here on the water, rents on the water are not cheap in San Diego. How's that worked out? I mean, obviously, it's gorgeous. There's a bunch of people here. As I said, it feels like a place that tourists would want to come. How's that model been working out? Uh, it's worked out great. I I credit us with, I, I credit Stephanie and Todd with really kind of seeing that, you know, I think a lot of people would have been scared of all the things you mentioned, you know, the high rent rates, the there's a lot of competition around here. You have some beautiful restaurants and bars and um, and, and, you know, I think Todd and Steph really just kind of saw an opportunity to seize something that doesn't exist in San Diego. There's no other tasting room on the water. It's proximity to the airport. It's proximity to hotels. It's really, it's, it's got a, it's got a great local base. We're near a ton of homes and people who've lived here for years. So even when we're not, you know, crushing it in the tourist dollars, all the locals support us. All the people that live on the boats right out here drink here. All the people that go out fishing out of these boats drink here. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's become a part of the fabric of this area. And it's, it, I think it's worked out better than any of us ever thought it was going to, frankly. It is really a beautiful spot. And while it's busy here now, I don't want to discourage people from coming because it's not, it's not so busy that you're not going to be able to get a beer and sit down and see the view and hang out and so we have um we have a ton of room here so don't be scared uh the majority of it is outside space because um you know we're on the water and it's gorgeous uh but an interesting little fun fact is we actually when you're here you'll notice there's a brick laid kind of area we technically have that whole area licensed so if need be for say when we do fourth of july down here which is huge down here on the waterfront we just push the barriers back, and we have this whole area available. Can you see That's the big awesome. bay boom from here? Oh, right yeah. oh yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Super close. This place gets packed. People show up at open and stay until the fireworks. I mean, it's it's pretty rad. So, When it comes to the um, the beer, is there a... Is there kind of a mission statement, a style that you they focus on at Epic? Um, obviously, 
you look at the board and there's quite a variety. There's IPAs, of course, but there's German style beers as well. What's um, what would you kind of describe it as to someone who was asking? Um, we like to pay homage to Joseph and Leonard Epig, um, and so a lot of you know our focus is German styles and lagers. Um, we're really well known for our lagers. Uh, we do we do them quite well, not to toot our own horn, but we do. We crush. Um, but we also make a lot of, we do every style really well. Um, Nate and Clayton, uh, both have a ton of brewing experience and care so much about the product that's being put out and only want to put out. And, you know, everybody says that, but I feel it and I believe it from them. And I, I'm in the brewery when I see them arguing over what most breweries consider to be absolutely inconsequential things and you know on the sales side it's things like we our beers required to be refrigerated on and off premise so if you're buying our beer in a store you're never going to buy it off a warm shelf it's always you know so it's it's from the moment the it's the grain we buy all the way down to where the product lives in your retail environment so we really just care about the beer and want to make sure we're putting out good product and good german germans and lagers yeah my I the first one I I think the first beer I had from Epic was the 10:45 to Denver, and that's probably one of my favorites. That's a that's been a runaway bestseller for us, frankly. Yeah. We uh, when it was brewed the first time, it was not. I don't think anybody thought it was gonna kind of take off the way it did, and it really has. And it's great. It's dank. It's resiny, but it's got that signature dry finish. So you know you want to drink more than one of it. it clocks in at seven it's easy drinking so it's great beer and we can it so i know so abby tell me about the role of sales manager uh, you know obviously you've been in beer sales before you've been in a lot of different jobs in the beer industry before but as sales manager just kind of describe what your what your days are like you know what your goals are <laughs> as you try to get through <laughs> i'm getting the laugh i'm getting the laugh it's okay i'm cur- i'm just curious i mean this um, is like this is what i feel like our rendezvous down at our rendezvous is about is finding about what people do and yeah you know what makes their what makes their day go and oh man if any two day were the same this would be a much easier <laughs> question to answer um you know in a small company like ours it's really uh you do whatever you have to do um on any given day it's you know getting in touch with people and getting orders in our system in the morning working with production staff about what's coming down the line getting out in the field, pre-selling beer, working with our driver to make sure beer's getting to the place it needs to get on a daily basis. Um, our current spot's pretty small, so that also involves getting beer from off-site storage to its right places, visiting accounts, pint nights, beer dinners, beer festivals, all that stuff. It's, yeah, it's, you know, delivering beer when it has to be done because we're a small team and sometimes just got to throw it in the Prius and do it. So is the majority of business right now still like bars and restaurants? It, it is. Okay. It is. Um, we only we only can two beers year round, which is our 1045 to Denver IPA and Civility, our San Diego Summer Ale. Um, we have a third right now. Our Fest beer is a seasonal. Um, but the majority of our focus and the majority of our product goes into kegs. So it really is kind of bars and restaurants at this point. Um, so on that side, you know, it's a lot of relationship building. It's a lot of working with accounts to so they know who we are, doing staff educations, um, you know, teaching people both about our beer and about our brand so they can tell the story well. You know, we, 
we have targeting areas. You know, we're, we're really doing a big push in Vista right now because we're moving up there and we want to we want to have a lot of beer on tap in our backyard. That's that's the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really more focusing on bars and restaurants for now. That's going to start to shift as we start to package more beer. But for now, it's bars and restaurants. I'd imagine the, um, the as the growth model kind of you project out more canning supermarkets i mean liquor stores things like that yes that's gonna fall under your purview to it will i mean that sort of stuff happen the the team will grow also as as we grow um it as as much as i'd like to say i'm wonder woman i am far from it and (laughs) i think there's well thank you i appreciate it (laughs) um there's there's gonna come a time where i'm there's gonna need to be somebody else but yeah we you know we are having far away conversations about what it looks like trying to get into BevMo's and stuff like that. Um, but again, going back to we really care about the way our product's treated, that's a big thing for us and and what we are going to target. We're not going to target every single liquor store because a lot of them just don't have cold storage. And as much as I hate to say it, pay to play is still a thing. And we don't have the money to get unnamed local big breweries out of a door to get space there and so you know we have to be choosy because we care about our product so but but it will start to enter the conversation yeah well it's it's entered the conversation it's, it's a ways down the road still <laughs> and people I mean people that care about craft beer I think know that absolutely. and understand that absolutely that the beer that you're buying in the cold storage is it's the better beer better beer yeah, yeah. It's, it's been treated better <laughs> yeah. so and we're in all your high-end bottle shops around town now and a lot of your on-prems that sell beer to go you know we're we're in those we make an effort to target those um so you can i'm not saying we don't have a presence we just we're very selective about it yeah i think one of the reasons we do this when we talk about beer on the podcast is there's so many out there i mean you know even if you just go into a supermarket. The local selection now is actually pretty good. I mean, even at a, a Vons or a Ralph's, and there's no way you could have tried it all or know about every single brewery out there. So, just to know you can trust. There's just a few out there that hey, you see that name on a beer, you may not have had that beer before, you may not have had that style before, but you can trust that if you try it, you know you're going to get a really good representative example of that beer that a lot of care and and kind of love's been put into you may not love that style but yeah. it's worth it's worth trying because you may absolutely love it and find a new favorite and and to me that's what it's all about i always picture all the all the beers out there that i've never tried and you know there might be one in there that's like my favorite beer ever but there's so many i haven't had a chance to try <laughs> all it, the sad so. little beers yeah. that ben hasn't tried no i just picture there's a, so many a though. beer cans with sad faces <laughs> on them there's so many too because he doesn't drink that much yeah, so it's not like the, the um capacity <laughs> i will say that the regal seagull has epic on often yes they are great and, supporters of the brand and the beagle and sidecar. Um, and sidecar, good. Yes. And sidecar is actually, this podcast will come out after, but tomorrow, Happy anniversary. tomorrow, tomorrow night is Sidecar's five-year five anniversary. Congrats, we, guys. We will be there. So, um, but I we we love that they support you and, you know, we support them and you guys support them. So. Yeah, we love them. They're a great crew, all the locations, and they've always been good supporters of us and just nice and you know as as somebody who sells beer you deal with a lot of 
not a lot, but you deal with your fair share. As somebody, as a woman who sells beer, yes, you deal with you your go. fair share of uh, misogyny and BS, and uh, they are the farthest from that on all levels and dealing with them, and that's that's fantastic. I know, I, love that. I know with that group that, honestly, that the beer speaks for itself, and they take that seriously. I mean... I agree with that. Sometimes... I don't like the beer on tap necessarily, but that doesn't mean it, it might just not be something I like. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's a beer for, I, I, when I started in the industry, I worked in a tasting room and when people would always say, I don't like beer. I'm like, there's a beer for everybody. Right. You just haven't found the one you like. Right. So that one, that person likes maybe that one. You exactly. Hate. It's just, you know, everybody's palates are different. What you've ate or drank that day or been around can affect the way you taste they I mean there's so many factors that can influence a like or dislike of a beer so there's something for everybody and not everything is for everybody exactly so the other half of down at our rendezvous obviously we love to find out what you do but we also like to know about where you're from and what where you're living and um, so you guys live down what are the, what's the neighborhood south of Kensington uh, we live in City Heights City Heights is what yes. it's called okay so yes. what's I mean everywhere just seems to be I mean, it changes. I mean, if you're not paying attention, six months, there's new restaurants, there's new bars. It just keeps expanding out. You know, North Park kind of Ooh. was the start and then kept moving out. So I what's love this part. What's new? <laughs> what's fun? Where are Scott and Abby? Because Scott's here. Hi, say Scott's hi, Scott. Scott's Everybody. Yeah, Scott's here, too. Um, what's new? What's fun? Where are Scott and Abby drinking and eating right now in and around City Heights? Um... Ooh, in City Heights. Well, okay. Well, I you can say okay. Morris Park, yeah, too. Give, give I mean, me, we... Yeah, five-mile radius is fine, so... Fred Cell. Yeah, so Fred Cell is always mm, our... <laughs> Fred Cell is, is kind of our, like, hidden gem of City Heights. It's, I don't even know what... It's Fred a Lumpia... Cell. Fred Cell. Fred Cell. F-R-E-D-C-E-L. It's a Lumpia and Pansit place. I love It's in a little Lumpia. house. It's on 38th Street. It's cash only. It's a family. If they don't feel like working, they don't open. <laughs> uh, they close at six every night if they do feel like working. Um, but you can go buy a tray of 100 Lumpia. For like 25 bucks. Oh, my and God. we don't go and buy trays. That makes it sound like we're just going and buy a tray of Lumpia. <laughs> for parties. Yeah. But like you can also, you can go by there and get this huge container of Pansit and some Lumpia. And it's like $5. And it's, I'm not even kidding you, three meals. It's just totally this little hidden gem in City Heights that, because it's not on University yeah. or Fairmount, nobody right. knows it exists. Right. It's smashed between two houses. I mean, you would have no idea it was there unless somebody told you. Okay, we'll be going there. Yeah, it's incredible. That's, that sounds amazing. Um, we also are really liking Original 40. Um, I know. I've seen so many yeah. fun pictures. And, and don't don't let this go to your head, Chris Cologley. <laughs> <laughs> he will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he will. Um, if he listens. But that's another story. <laughs> oh, he'll listen. <laughs> what is Original 40? Uh, so it is a, it's, I say brand new because it's definitely the newest brewery in the neighborhood. And it's maybe been open three, four months. Three, four months. Yeah, yeah, not very long. Um, so it's owned by Steve and I... Forgive me, I forget his wife's name. The Billings, who own U31 across the street. They bought this land. They decided to open this brewery. Um, original 40 pays homage to the original 40 acres that uh, Thomas Hartley bought that was the creation of North Park. Excuse me. So that's where the name comes from. Um, 
they've they hired the old cutwater chef so he's he's churning out some really incredible food some really elevated food that you wouldn't expect from a brew pub the space is beautiful. You see all the girls Instagramming themselves constantly. I mean, the space is gorgeous. Yes, I've seen that. I've seen original for yes. all over Instagram. Yeah, I mean, all over Instagram. Which well played, guys. Um, but for me, above all else, the beer has been fantastic. Chris has Chris Galogli's the head brewer there. Um, he's really done a great job across the board with styles. Uh, he's already won a couple medals at competitions. He's I'm shockingly big into lagers you know I work for a brewery that makes a lot of lagers um and he's he's really making some fantastic lagers that are just easy to drink in a beautiful space paired with great food and it's so that's those are kind of our one our like always go to and then the other is kind of our new we're excited about spot in the neighborhood and right next door is a completely vacant space full of cat statues. Oh, it's so creepy. Oh, that's really <laughs> weird. Yeah. So enjoy. Is is there like know. a light on? Yep. Yeah. Oh. And um, they're just lined up in a row. It's like and all ceramic like, and, and, and there's, really there's a weird. mirror on one side, so they reflect, <laughs> so it actually looks like double the cats. It's we we stumbled across it one night, and I'm not even kidding you. We stood there for like 20 I minutes because we were just yeah. like. What is <laughs> happening it's a here? And yet really creepy. Oh, yeah. So, so good. yeah. Those I think are... we probably need to get there before the cat statues leave. Like, because <laughs> that can't last long. The <laughs> stories of San Diego. Well, <laughs> I know. Well, and all I could think when I first saw it was, how much are they paying in rent to store these creepy cat statues here? You know, it's prime real estate on University in North Park. Like, <laughs> seriously. We're so, anyways, get to the bottom of this. I yeah, I, I that could be a future I, podcast. I have <laughs> asked all around town and quite a few people that are pretty involved in North Parky things, and everyone's like, "Yeah, I don't know what the story is with that." <laughs> Somebody had like, do I start searching like public records, like lease <laughs> lease names and stuff? It's so like, weird. What's happening? It's so funny. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, guys, um, I love sitting out here. I mean, like the table next to us and not attract their attention, but they brought in some burritos. They're enjoying their beer. I mean, it's just like perfect San Diego. This is like quintessential. It really is. And I think we're going to get a really nice sunset tonight, too. And here, a really fun, interesting fact that I like to share with people is because you can see the downtown skyline across the way. The way sunset works when it's a good clear sunset we actually get what we call a double sunset because it reflects off the building so you get another one and it so you get this beauty and this beauty and it's 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 really a sight for sore eyes <laughs> just quickly um anything in this area because we don't spend a lot of time out on point loma as well that you're kind of around here that you would recommend if you were coming by maybe looking for other food options um mitch's is my go-to um point loma's great also but mitch's is is kind of i went to mitch's growing up i think yeah yeah. um both are great uh fathom fathom's fantastic the other place i want to give a a shout out to because they are celebrating their one-year anniversary this week is uh catch grill and taps yes which is there's a nice little boardwalk um that runs to our place that runs out to shelter island drive they're right there um they are owned by the brigantine group the the brewery actually brews up in the uh convoy area but they've put de- put in a beautiful restaurant down here they've got a bunch of beers up their beers and guest beers on tap outstanding food outstanding views beautiful space 
everybody that works there is nice as can be. So I definitely recommend giving them a shot. They're they're fantastic. The Seagull had a catch uh, tap takeover, I think, a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and 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 we had some at the bet on barbecue competition. Uh, well, catch. I think it was a Vienna lager. The Vienna was, lager, was really good, and actually, it was really yeah. good with the barbecue. Um, their beers are 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 very good, and um, I'm excited for the Brigantine think, group I mean, for the that. Brigantine backing there you think that that could be a heavy hitter in san diego pretty quickly absolutely um i i go they buy our beer which is and i would say these nice things about them even if they didn't buy our beer because i really like them um but to me that speaks volumes it's it's really easy to be like no you're too close to us why would i buy your beer and they they actually take the exact opposite approach like your neighbors we always want to have your beer on tap as well we look out for each other that's what neighbors do and it's so it's a great relationship with them. They're again, they're just the nicest people over there. So yeah, they're literally close enough. We can we're looking at the building right now. Yeah, like that's how close they are. To yeah, here. and they've also got a great. Maybe we'll little, be going there after yeah. this. And they've got a great little gelato spot right there too, called Portside for dessert afterwards. So I don't know. I like gelato. I can't sit here like on the water and not crave seafood. Do you, oh, you guys same know here. That, that when we first met, Shelly would not eat? any seafood you know what i did learn all. that we, when we, we had our seafood that. dinner yeah. a few <laughs> weeks back so, yeah. so when we first met shelly and i the uh, we, you know <laughs> we I, I asked her out on a date and of course i took her to a seafood restaurant for the first day and she didn't of course she didn't say a thing she ordered a salad and sat there and smiled and we had a good time and i took her and she would not I mean, I didn't realize how deep her dislike of seafood went. <laughs> I couldn't even. I, I, I mean, couldn't even breathe. I couldn't even breathe. It was so point. hard. Yeah. Now, in the intervening years, she'll love sushi now. I mean, she. I'll eat fish. She'll eat lots of fish. Lobster now. and oysters. Yeah. And, you know, um, mussels we, and she's definitely everything. branched out. But yeah. that it's hard to believe that we're still together now. When I took someone who my, ate seafood. To now, a seafood to be restaurant. to be fair, my mom thinks maybe she fed me crab or shrimp like too early like so Uh and shrimp is something that I can't do still so definitely I had some sort of aversion and then we moved to like central Washington which not gonna add you know (laughs) add your love of fish (laughs) yeah not not at all so 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 since then, Ben is Ben was like, no, no, no we're figuring this out. Yeah. We're figuring out what <laughs> you don't like. We're gonna live a like. life together. I can't just eliminate all seafood <laughs> yeah. from we're my life. We're figuring it out. When when we first started dating, I had never had sushi. Like I came from upstate New York. Like there's no fish there. Yeah. there not not to make sushi out right. of anyway. And yeah, she was like, if we're, this is gonna work, you well, are going and trying yeah. sushi. You're gonna try. And luckily, we'll try different luckily things. I fell in love with yes. sushi and, and took him his first night and the next day I was like, What do you want to do for dinner? I want to go get sushi. I was like, sold yeah. Yeah. yeah, two Jack days in a row. Yep. Because it makes it makes you feel so good. I remember we went to Roy's and I think Ben ordered like the black cod or something. And I was like he gave me a bite and I'm like Oh, I can eat that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could eat that every day. Like it's like that. No, no that's what I well, can Well, and eat. I also think when you're younger, you, you are more judgmental of food. And as you get older, it's kind of like, eh, does it taste good? Like, eh, whatever. I'll figure it out. You know, it's, I think you become a little more flexible in your willingness to try things to try and things, sure. explore new flavors yes. and, and like yeah. go outside your comfort zone than, than I think you do as a young eater typically. So And you learn what restaurants and what 
areas specialize in things yes. and trust them. Yeah. I think, I think my takeaway here, though, is that you're always told, try to find someone who shares your interests and likes, and that's a good match. But if that doesn't work, then you can always just make the other person like what you like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of work, too. Okay. Oh, I've, I've started liking oh, things that you like, I, too. I agree. I Abby, mean, Abby that's didn't, part of it. No, it Abby really is. Abby didn't like cheese when we first started dating. That is a true she story. Loves cheese. Cheese? Now. I didn't I like beer that upon when her. we first started dating. <laughs> I know, Ben. No, I mean, all the really. shameful ben things would, we didn't yeah. like. Ben would not drink. He would not drink a beer when we oh, first no. started dating. I've had to. I've had to learn how to appreciate and love beer, and Shell has helped me do that. And I felt her like fish, and that really is a part of it. And I think. True. I think if you can be open-minded about those things with your partner, that is really the. Um, the foundation for I agree. That's the big thing. Success. I agree. I agree. Well, I'm still not going to like the garbage plate thing you speak of, though. That's just trash. It's got trash in it. the name. And Ben, I'm, not, I'm still not, not going to like your hat. That's the New York specialty. That's, right? yeah. That's, yeah, from Rochester. It's I'm still a, not yeah, sure the about garbage that one plate. Oh, it has garbage in the name. Oh. Tell us about Somebody that. here you needs to make it. You have to. You have to say what it is because okay. So it's well, it's a garbage plate. Is what it's called. Basically, it's it's a plate. There's there's macaroni salad on it. There's like hash brown potatoes on it, and then you can have either hot dogs or hamburgers or cheeseburger on top of that. And then there's white bread, and there's a chili sauce on it. Like, and it, but it's all one plate just piled on together and they call it a garbage I don't even like my plate. food's touching. That it just is, sounds it is the best it is the best like three o'clock in the morning drunk food in the world. It's so good. I haven't and seen that one on I keep trying to get, I keep yet. trying to get our friends that own restaurants out here to make some, make it and like I feel like the a, friendly could do a really good one. Oh yeah I feel like the friendly or um, Sister Ray's Sister, Sister Ray's because they already yeah. have the chili yeah. like they have yeah. it's perfect I already talked to Tom I've already said <laughs> Tom you know what a garbage plate is please make one <laughs> he hasn't yet <laughs> no I'm very disappointed it's in you Tom garbage plate that's why well this uh, this uh, podcast took some twists and turns that it did uh, it's good to see you it's the new it's the new down in our people that are gonna go google garbage (laughs) plates we're doing twists and turns on this new season of our rendezvous come on down check out the epic waterfront and uh, we will be back soon with another episode for abby scott for shell i'm ben thanks for joining us down at our rendezvous down at our rendezvous